Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to God Mode this week. Um, we're really believing that you can, I can live a life undefeated. You know, we are starting a brand new series called, So You're Dead, Now What? And just talking about death or even being close to a casket can make a lot of people uncomfortable. In fact, there is a very real store in Dallas, Texas. This is as you're driving down the highway right on the side of the road. There's a neon sign that says in big flashing lights, the casket store. So if you're in need of a casket, you go in there. But it always kind of makes me want to wonder, what would it be like to be one of the salespeople at the casket store? I mean, think about it. As you come in, it would be like, hey, we're so glad you're here. Would you like to try one on? I mean, you know, and you would climb in and see how it fits you. and Or you might just say, you know, what is it going to take to get you into one of these today? I mean, it would be awkward, right? I mean, it would be funny. But and this is a real thing. This is very true. And I'm not making this up. But you could actually go next door. Right next to the casket store is another store called Boxes to Go. I mean, it's funny if you ask me. If you can't afford a high-end model you go next door and get a cheaper box to go. Have them tape you up and just ship you wherever you need to go. You know what? You might be wondering, why is it that we're talking about death? In fact, the next few weeks, uh, we're going to, starting today by building a foundation, and then next week, we're going to study what the Bible has to say very specifically about hell, and then the following week, we're going to talk about heaven, and in the fourth week, we're going to answer all sorts of questions about death and eternity. Today, we're really building this foundation, and if, if you ask, why do we talk about this? I'd love you to write this down because this is a very important truth. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. What you believe about death and eternity will, should determine how you live your daily life. Because tons of people believe different things. For example, atheists believe that, you know, death and then it's over. I mean, there's no eternity, and so if you're an atheist, you just believe you're dead, you're a worm, you're dirt, and you're pushing daisies, and there's no reason to live with an eternal motivation. Some people believe in purgatory. They believe that once you die, people can pray you out of purgatory. Islam teaches that at the end, Allah will judge you for the works of those who have gone before. And if your good works outweigh your bad, you'll, you'll go to paradise. If your bad works outweigh your good, you'll, you'll go to hell. Some people believe in that you'll become angels. So some of you think when you die, you'll become an angel. And so you've got yourself the pictures of the fat, bald, naked things, you know, being around. And you're playing on some harp on a cloud. I don't know. I mean, that may be what you think. Some people believe in reincarnation. They think it's if you've been really good, you come back as a higher life form. If you've been really bad, you come back as a cockroach or a mosquito or something like that. 
In fact, when I was going to Bible college, I commuted with a group of people, students, and one of these ladies actually believed in reincarnation. And we argued about everything. We rarely got along. And she said she really believed that she'd be reincarnated as a tree. I mean, she was going to come back as a tree. And she said, Chris, what do you think you're going to come back as? And I said, I don't believe in reincarnation. She said, but if you did, what would you come back as? And I said, okay, you're going to be a tree? And she said, yes. I said, then I'll come back as a dog and I'll find your tree and I'll show you what I think about reincarnation. (laughs) So anyway, the bottom line is this. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live on earth. So let's build a foundation and try to answer the question. What do we know about death? Because we don't know a lot. The Bible is very clear on some things, and some things aren't quite as clear. So let's wrestle with what we do know about death. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, number one, that death is certain. Studies are conclusive. Approximately one out of one people die. They do. In fact, you're going to die. I'm going to die. Unless you are a believer and Jesus returns in your lifetime, you are going to die. Scripture says it is very simple in Hebrews 9.27. It says, just as a man is destined, come on, do you know what it says? Just as a man is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. So verse 28 says, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. What do we know? Scripture says that you are destined to die. You'll face the judgment. And what will happen at judgment? It depends on what you did with your Christ in your lifetime. Why is Jesus so important to your eternal destiny? Because Our sin, and we are all sinners, we're born into the sin nature, our sin separates us from a holy God. But here's the amazing good news. The gospel, the good news that God so loved the world, so loved us, that he sent his only son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin, therefore not inheriting the sin nature, but lived the perfect and sinless life. And Jesus shed his innocent blood, died on a cross, But here's the awesome news. He didn't stay there. He didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose again. And because of his perfect sacrifice, by faith, when we believe in him, we are called righteous by God and we are adopted into the family of God by our faith in Christ. In fact, scripture says that anyone That includes you. No matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life has been, no matter how messed up it is right now, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So what do we know about death? First of all, it's certain. The second thing we know is that the soul and the body, they separate. The soul and the body separate. You, you are not your body. This is skin. This is flesh. I mean, I'm looking at myself. This is not the real me. Your body is called a tent. It's an outer covering. It is a house for the real you, but it's not the real you. I know some of you that are listening, you're going, oh man, that is such good news. I'm so happy about that. 
You know, when you die, your body dies, but you continue to live. Jesus said, this is what Matthew 28 said. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill. Come on, if you know it, say it loud. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. They are two different things. He said, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. One day, when your physical body dies, you will be as alive as you've ever been. Someone will be making preparations at your funeral. Someone else will be making a fruit basket or a fruit salad for the reception, and you will still be very much alive. I mean, I remember one of the first funerals that I did when I first started in the ministry, and I was very nervous, and everything went fine, and I got down to the end, and I just said, I said, your your loved one is not here. This is just a shell. This is just an outer covering. The body is dead, but your loved one is alive. You know, to be, for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and everyone was very much with me, and it was at a very good funeral until I blew it at the end. I got down to the part where I knew you what you were supposed to say, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And, you know, like I said, I was new to this thing and never did a funeral before. And I said those lines, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and my mind went blank. I was like, what comes next? I couldn't remember. I was stuck. I was just hanging there and it was just awkward moment. And, and I was thinking, come on, think, think, think. This is a sad occasion. Lighten it up. Say something funny. You're a funny guy. Be funny. So I tried to be funny, ashes to ashes, dust to test. And then I said it, I hope this coffin doesn't rust. I mean, I know some of you, you're chuckling right now. You're giggling just after I said that, right? Because you've got a good sense of humor. Those relatives of the dead guy didn't laugh at all. But nevertheless, whatever you say about that, the reality is that the body may die, but your soul lives on. In fact, Jesus said that this way in John 11 verses 25 and 26. Here's the word Jesus said. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. What do we know about death? It's for certain. And second, we know that the soul and the body will separate. The third thing is we know that eventually you will face the judgment. You will face judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says this, Just as a man is destined to die once, and after that to face what? To face judgment. Now, if you are like me, the thought of being judged by God is very sobering. I mean, to be judged by people is just nerve-wracking. I remember the first time I was judged. I think I was like in the fifth grade or something, and I was going out for the choir, and there was 50 kids would make it, and there was only 52 in our class, and I mean, it was crazy. I mean, they were... So I thought, you know, I can sing. And in my mind, I sounded good. And I stood up before the class and the teacher played my country, Tissa Thee, on the piano. And I was supposed to sing. And midway through, she looked to me kind of like Simon Cowell does, someone singing, you are my best friend ever or whatever. And I was like horrified. I was panicked. I forgot the words and I almost started to cry. And, you know, come on, somebody out there, give me an all or no. Come on. Thank you. Really? Come on. It was horrible. I couldn't do it. And I didn't make the choir. I was judged not good enough. I hate choirs. I hate it. That's why I would never have a choir in my church. I mean, I was not the two kids didn't make it. It was me and another kid, and that kid was sick that day. Everybody else made the choir. I hate that. I was not good enough. I didn't make the cut. After you die, you will face the judgment, 
And it's infinitely more important than any other choir or anything like it. What does the Bible say about judgment? Well, some people differ on their opinions, so I'm going to show you what most conservative Bible scholars believe, and I'll tell you that I agree with most of these beliefs. Now, some people have some different views, and we'll figure it all out one day, but this is kind of what I believe. I believe that there will be two different judgments, and the first one is known as the Great White Throne Judgment. I believe this first one, the Great White Throne Judgment. Now, the question is, who will be there? And again, there's some debate, but most people believe that only non-believers will be at the great white throne judgment. Believers, most people think, won't be there. So let's read a little bit about this great white throne judgment in Revelations 20, verses 11 through 12 and verse 15, where John had a vision on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it. And I saw the dead, great, small, and standing before the throne, and books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Now, the dead were judged according to what the scripture said. The dead were, were judged according to what they had done. They were judged according to their works as are recorded in the books. Verse 15 said, if anyone's name was not found written in what we know it to be, the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So what do we know? This great white throne of judgment, dead people are there. There's books, there's the book of life, and then there's other books which evidently contain our deeds, our good works, or maybe even our sins. If your name is not found written in the book of life, apparently you are judged by your works. Were you good enough by your works to qualify for heaven? And scripturally, we know that no one is. The Bible very clearly states that we are only saved by grace through faith in Jesus and that alone. And Ephesians 2 goes on to say that we're not even saved by our works. No one is that no one can boast. So if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you are judged by your works. And everyone who's judged by their works, whose name is not in the book of life, will be thrown into what is called lemipura. It is the Greek terminology for the lake of fire, everlasting destruction, hell, eternal damnation, and separation from God in a very real place, which we will talk about in great detail next week. The great white throne of judgment is a place you do not want to be. You'd rather be in the book of life. So you are not judged by your works because you will not qualify for heaven, no matter how good you are. The great white throne is really this is where that judgment will happen. Now, the second judgment mentioned in scripture is known as the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you are at the judgment seat of Christ, you will be judged whether you qualify for heaven or not. Apparently, the judgment seat of Christ is only for believers. Your eternal destination is not judged at this time. Your eternal destination was already determined when you were here on earth, when you responded to the grace and the work and the love of Jesus on earth. So most people believe, and I agree wholeheartedly, that your eternal destiny is not determined at the judgment seat of Christ, but instead is at the place that your works are judged to see whether or not you are worthy of rewards in heaven. 
Let's let the scripture speak to us a little bit. In Romans 14.10, it says, speaking to believers, the Bible says we will all stand before God's judgment seat. And in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so we can see if we are saved or not. No. No, the Bible says that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. I believe at the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be judged for salvation. That would have already been settled on earth. But instead, you would see if you qualify for rewards from God in heaven. Let's break it down a little bit. The Greek word for judgment seat is the word bema, B-E-M-A, bema. And it's a very rich word that has a lot of historical meaning. Bema literally means a step up. It was used Judicially speaking, if a person would take a step up into the Bema seat and the judge would say guilty or not guilty. It was also used very commonly in the Greek Olympic Games. If you are, if you're like me, an Olympic fanatic, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. At the end of the competition, a man or woman who wins would take a step up on the Bema step and the judge would come over and the competitor would bow down and the judge then would place the olive crown upon the winner's head. Congratulations, you're the winner. You're we're first place. You step on the, up on the bema and you get your crown. Imagine this. Imagine you. Your body dies and you go before God in heaven or maybe his son Jesus and he rewards you. So imagine you, you're in heaven, and let's say Jesus looks at you, and you see him, and when you do, you see him in his eyes for the first time ever, and you get, you see the, the love of God, and you're like unable to comprehend this in life. And all of a sudden, all you want to do is bow down and worship him. We're not talking for 20 minutes. You want to worship him for the next one million years, because that's what you're going to want to do. That is what you're going to want to do. When you see him for who he really is and you, all you want to be able to do is just, you'll just recognize what it cost him and who he is and what it means. And you will crave desire just to worship him. And then he'll say, no, no, just stand up for a second. I need to talk to you. He might embrace you and say something like, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. And you're not going to want any of that. No, no, I just want to worship. No, no. He's going to say, listen to me. You did great. And then imagine him saying to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it will be hard for you to hear that because you will feel so unworthy. And he may say something like, I got to tell you what you did. This is why I'm giving you this reward, because you did, you did so many and such good things to me. And you're like, no, 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 I didn't do that. When, Jesus, when, when did I do that? And he will say, don't you remember what my word says? My word says what you did to the least of these, you did to me. And you might even be stunned and confused. When, when did I do that to you, Jesus? And he's like, hey, do you remember that time on a Saturday when you're busy and overwhelmed because so much was going on, but you committed to be a part of, of the Dream Center Saturday and you went out there and you helped people and, and people that were in need. And all of a sudden, God just looks over at your heart and you were working and you were serving and you made a difference in someone's life. And they were never ever. And Jesus would say, you know what? That was me. 
you were doing that to me. And he might say, do you remember the time when you saw someone who was in need and you didn't have much, but you just, you just couldn't contain yourself and you just, you just gave that person who was in need and you didn't even know if it made a difference or not. But you know what? Jesus will say, that was me. Do you remember the time when you're at work and you were so much going on and there was a person who was hurting and you just, you just stopped and you were drawn to that person and you just said, can you tell me what's going on? And they just opened up and started crying. And the next thing you know, you're just saying, do you mind if I pray for you? And, and you did. And Jesus might say, me, that was me. That was me again. And then he would ask you to kneel slightly as he puts a crown upon your head. Why? Why a crown? Because it's his kingdom. And he puts crown on your head and says, well done. But what kind of crowns will be in heaven? I'm not sure. The Bible shows five of them. And I'm guessing there might be dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands. I don't know. But we do know there's five. And I want to show you these five to you. One is called the incorruptible crown. And that is for those of you who are seeking maturity in Christ. You know who you are. You are the people that when you wake up in the morning and reading God's word is an important part of your life because you want to know him and you want to get know him even deeper. You're one of those ones that wake up early and pray and you fast and because you just really desire more of God. There's a crown for you who are pressing in to know Christ more intimately. It's called the incorruptible crown. There's also one that is known as the crown of righteousness. And for those of you who know what that is in this world, it's not, you just really realize this world is not your home. And you're not like most people, I mean, who think true joy is going to come from possessions of things, but you are longing for the return of Christ. And man, I tell you, my wife, she's going to be all over this crown. I believe it. She is. She just, she leaves all this and she just wants to know God face to face. And I believe she's going to receive this crown with a lot of other ones. There's also one known as the crown of rejoicing. Some of you bring people to church and they will meet Christ and they will be forever changed. And you will receive this crown. It is called the soul winner's crown. It's for those of you who care for those who don't know Christ. You're not in your own stupid Christian circle, just listening to Christian music, just reading Christian books, and you don't even talk to your next door neighbor. No, man, that's not you. You're the one, you're engaged in other people's lives, and you care for them, and you're praying for them, and you're looking for opportunities, not just to talk about spiritual things, but to show them spiritual things. And you are leading people to Christ. There's a crown for you. And it's called the crown of rejoicing. There's a crown of glory. And that's for those who care for others, like pastors, the shepherd's crown, those of you who serve in children's ministry, youth ministries, you're shepherding the flock. There's a crown for you. And there's the crown of life. This is the crown for those who endure trials, hard times, and yet you hang on to Jesus. And today around the world, there are people who die the death of a martyr. Hear me when I tell you this. Today, around the world, there will be people who embrace Christ even unto death, and they will receive this crown. Have you lived a life worthy of the rewards of God? Some of you have, and some of you haven't. I mean, seriously, some of you haven't. 
I mean, look at scriptures, 1 Corinthians 3.15. A person's work will be shown for what it is because the day, the day of judgment, the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, what kind of guess what will happen? He will receive his reward. If, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Here's the bottom line. One day, you who are believers, your motives will be judged. Your work or your lack thereof work will be judged. And many of you, and I just want to say this very plainly, many of you, you're going to be rewarded so handsomely. You're going to be really blown away. It's going to take you a million years just to soak in what Jesus says to you. Some of you, you're the most amazing servants. You're most generous. You're godly. You're selfless. You are Christ-like. You're unbelievable, and you will be rewarded. You don't do it for the rewards, but you will receive them. Believe me, you will. Others of you, you are believers, but you have done hardly anything but receive from Christ. You benefit from his salvation, but there is very little evidence of his love in your life. It's, it's almost an embarrassment to the kingdom. Yeah, you prayed a prayer and you received Christ, but you've done almost nothing with it. And on that day, you will be filled with regret because you will get into heaven, but only as one escaping the flames. And you would give anything to do it over when you see just how real and just how good he is. So what you believe about eternity will determine how you live. One day you are here, your body is here, and you are still alive. And at that moment, you will either receive the most warm and welcome and glorious embrace from Jesus that you could ever imagine. Or if you are without Christ, you will face gloom and doom and despair, hopelessness like you've never, ever dreamed before. But either way, at that moment, your eternal destination is irrevocable, fixed, and eternally unchangeable. That's why this moment is so important. So, Father, make us eternally minded believers that we would serve you with our very best. Some of you just look at it. Look at the last seven days of your life and ask yourself, did you live in such a way that Jesus would say, well done? Were your motives pure? Were your actions godly? Were you serving others? Or do you look at your life like I do and say, man, there is so much room for improvement. If you recognize that you've been caught up in the things of the world rather than the things of the world to come, then say, yes, I'm a believer, but God, I'm, I'm not serving and giving or being as Christ-like as I should be. Forgive me and make me more like your son. Help me to improve the life that's really worthy of the life you gave me. And I pray, God, that you would stir in us such a way that we could not continue to live in our self-centered life, that we would be filled with Christ and his love for others. God, I pray that many would not be able to get out of wherever they're at without reaching out to somebody. 
God, I pray that you would see needs supernaturally around them and that they would use them to meet the needs. God, I pray that the sun would not go down, that you would not use us in such a way that we would make a difference for your kingdom. And God, I pray daily that you would give us eyes to see those divine opportunities that we would serve you faithfully, not for a reward, but out of love and obedience and response to your goodness. And God, our lives would be lived in such a way that one day you would look at us and say, you did good, well done. Welcome to heaven that I have prepared for you. What an honor it will be on that day. What a blessing it will be. I just pray that you would take this message, take this word, and really ask yourself maybe some hard questions. And if you have never received Jesus into your life, you've never accepted him as your personal savior, you've never looked in the cross and say, God, forgive me. I pray you would do that today. I pray today would be the first step you take toward the kingdom of God. And I know that God will meet you right where you're at. He'll pour his love on you and change you and make you different and better than you could ever believe. God bless you. And I hope you turn in next week as we continue in this series, certain, you know, this series as we look at hell. It'll be a fun time. I'm sure it's going to be a hot time. Tune in. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.